0: This is the Antidepressant Podcast, Episode 1, and in the words of the great Gern Blanston, laugh once a day, because a day without sunshine is like night. Hello, this is Dylan White, and welcome to the Antidepressant Podcast, Episode Number 1, our very first podcast, and hopefully the first of many, many more. We're going to be talking about depression and anxiety and dealing with depression and anxiety and everything that goes along with it. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, which I'm sure is a lot of you, I'll tell you who I am and who I'm not. Who I am, uh, I'm someone who is uh, living with depression. You might not always hear it in my voice, but I guess that's always true of a lot of people who have depression. Uh, You don't always know that they have it. So I am someone who's coming at this from someone who has been living with depression for years and years and years, and only recently have I started to tackle it head on, and this podcast is one of the ways I plan to do it. I couldn't keep my depression inside. I had to talk about it. I had to put it out there, and I realized once that I did, a lot of people came forward uh, thanking me for putting it out there. And. Uh, being so open about it because so many people don't understand what depression is and what it does to you. Uh, So I started talking about it more and more openly just in general and on my social media and it got to the point where I formed a private Facebook group uh, for all of us dealing with depression and anxiety and that spawned the idea of this podcast because I'm finding the more that I talk about it certainly the better I feel and the more other people talk about it the better they feel let's be honest, a big part of the reason I'm doing this is for me. This is a way for me to deal with my depression. I've heard people say that uh, there are a lot of uh, preachers in church who uh, most of their sermons are for them uh, as much as they are for their congregation. So understand a lot of things that I'm talking about, I'm talking about for me uh, as well as for you. I am not a doctor of any kind or a certified counselor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a psychotic or a psychic or anything like that. I am just someone who has depression, lives with depression, talk to a lot of people who have and live with depression, and based on my experiences and what I know, I've been able to handle my depression and I have been able to help other people handle their depression. I first noticed I had signs of depression when I was in high school, went to therapy a couple of times, and because I really didn't know what I was going to therapy for, it didn't really do much good because I think we were trying to tackle issues other than depression. And back then, depression wasn't something that you typically talked about in therapy. Uh, Depression was just, you know, feeling bad and you had to get over it, which I'm going to get into in a minute. Don't get me started. No, get me started because that's just more to talk about on a podcast. Anyway, dealt with it for years. Uh was on a couple medications. One of them made it absolutely worse. Uh and another one did nothing at all and I had pretty much given up on the idea of medication until earlier this year in 2017 I had a major breakdown in my depression and through the insistence of my family, I went back and uh, tried getting on meds again and I found a med that works for me. Um where this breakdown came from, like a lot of symptoms of depression, it seems to come from external factors. Uh, external factors are certainly a part of the problem, but the external factors are not what cause depression. They are a source of depression, but they are not the root cause of depression. External factors in my life, if you want to know, um, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, not very successful by typical societal standards. Uh, I have been making my living at it for quite a while, so in that sense, I do consider that. A success, but after losing a long-running show, I once played the genie in The Aladdin Show at Disney California Adventure, and I did that for 10 years. Uh, the show closed, and I wasn't sure what I was going to go on to do next. I was starting over in my acting career and trying to uh, work as a novelist. I've published a young adult paranormal romance series, a detective series, and I'm working on a sci-fi series right now, and getting those out there and marketed and Trying to make a living doing that gets to be very frustrating and lots of financial issues uh, became a big heavy burden on me to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore. And I had a big, big breakdown and understanding what was going on with me on the inside helped me deal a lot more with what's going on on the outside. So I went to go see the doctor about getting on some medications to at least help me manage it uh, so I could start getting the rest of my life in order. And when you suffer from serious depression, you have lots of thoughts of death, um, of just wanting to go to sleep and not wake up again. Um, I'm sure a lot of you with depression can relate to that. I wasn't so much having suicidal thoughts, though. This was how I answered it. The doctor, of course, when I wanted to get on uh, antidepressants, asked me if I was having thoughts of suicide, which I'm sure most, if not all, doctors do. And it occurred to me, it wasn't that I wanted to end it all, I just wanted it all to end. Which I think is a big distinction. And while suicide is certainly a component and, you know, the worst case scenario for people with depression, I've come to find a lot of people feel and felt like I did, that you just wanted it all to stop and go away and go to sleep and not wake up. And have to deal with this anymore. So, people will say in that sense that you suffer from depression. I don't say that I suffer from depression anymore. I have depression. And yes, depression makes me suffer sometimes, but I have depression. Depression does not have me. Uh, It is not a constant. Yes, it is constantly there, but it is not the constant uh, effect in my life. A lot of people will say that when they're depressed, and they're not getting the support they need, that they wish they had someone to understand what they were going through. Depression is not something you're going through. It is something you have. One of the things we have to stop saying is that no one understands what you're going through. Because you're not just going through something, you have something. And that's the thing. Most people don't understand what you have. Everyone is going through something, and we always... Take that to mean that it's something bad. People are going through things that are good, but no one ever says that. No one is talking to someone at an amazing party and says, I'm having so much fun. I wish those people out there could have some sort of idea what I'm going through. So like I said before, depression isn't about external factors. External factors may contribute to it or trigger it, but they aren't the source of it. Depression is something inside. It takes place in your brain, But a lot of the time it feels like it's a big empty hole in your chest, or just this big empty hole in your being, and nothing can fill it. That's why it's so hard for some people to understand it. They don't get that it's internal. They'll just tell you not to feel bad, because some people have it worse. First of all, like I said before, depression is a lot more than just feeling bad, it's the result of a chemical process in your brain and the way your synapses synap. That's why when you look at someone like Robin Williams or Chris Cornell or Junior Sow or any celebrity that has committed suicide and people wonder why they seem to have it all, or and those are just the suicides. There are all the people who self-medicate to deal with their feelings of inadequacy, to deal with their feelings of depression and anxiety and this... Overwhelming, all consuming sadness. Uh, and you wonder why they do this. They, you know, people like that, especially when you look at celebrities or just people in your life uh, who seem to have it all. That they seem like their lives are so great that what could they possibly be upset about? It's because the outside doesn't matter with depression. It's something inside you, it's that hole you can't fill. So saying someone else has it worse than you doesn't address the problem, and it certainly doesn't help. What helps is knowing that you're not alone, not just on an intellectual level. You know other people have depression, but really knowing it because part of depression is feeling completely alone and isolated and that no one understands you. And a lot of people don't understand depression. Uh, Hopefully with this podcast. It will bring more awareness to what depression is and what it does. So instead of saying people have it worse than you, and this is for the people talking to those who have depression uh, and are going through one of their downward spirals, saying people have it worse than you doesn't work. Instead of saying people have it worse than you, you should say that there are so many other people like you and so many of them learn to manage it and feel better. And if they can do it, so can you. You are not alone. Here's how not alone you are. According to the World Health Organization, 13% of children ages 8 to 15 present signs of mental illness of one kind or another. That increases to 21% for kids ages 13 to 18. That's one fifth of the population. Just over one fifth of the population has some form of mental illness. And a lot of that. Translates into depression. 50% of lifetime cases begin before the age of 14, and 75% begin before the age of 24. You are not alone. So don't tell me someone has it worse. That just isolates me, and it makes me feel bad for feeling bad. I already feel bad, even though depression is more than just feeling bad, you feel bad. I already feel bad, and knowing that somebody else has it so much worse than me makes me think that, yeah, why should I feel so bad? Yet I do, and it becomes this vicious cycle, and you feel bad for feeling bad, and it just makes your bad feeling worse. So saying someone else has it worse than you is like one of my other least favorite expressions. It is what it is. That's such, it's so defeatist and dismissive. I know it's meant to make us feel better when something sucks, or at least accept that there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. Well, what it is is something that sucks. We never say that when what it is is something good. We're never like, I just won the Powerball lottery. Well, it is what it is. Hey, my cancer's in remission. Well, it is what it is. Yeah, I hate that expression. It's completely defeatist. There's no optimism. There's no hope. And that's what depression is like. There's no hope. But like, no hope. But see, that's a lie your brain tells you, that there's no hope. Your brain lies to you. It tells you that you're a loser, and that you're worthless, and that no one loves you. But it's all a lie. Now here's the irony. When you try to tell your brain that you aren't a loser, and that you have worth, and that people do love you, that feels like a lie. But the thing is, your brain doesn't know the difference. It will take whatever information it has and accept it as truth. So which lie are you going to believe? Because if you constantly and consistently believe the lie, and I'm using finger quotes when I say that, that you have worth and deserve love and happiness, eventually your brain will believe it too and accept it as truth. But if you have depression, you know that's not as easy as it sounds. Because depression is that obnoxious voice in your head that tells you what a loser and what a failure you are. It's like having your own personal Simon Cowell, and that monster is nocturnal. It's awake during the day too, but it takes naps. It's loudest at night because everything else is quiet. You go to bed and you're like, okay, time for sleep, and your depression and anxiety says, sure, but first, let's go over every single mistake you've ever made ever, and then your anxiety is all, oh, and all the things that could go wrong tomorrow, and this week, and this month, and this year. That's why it's really hard for people with depression to meditate and find that quiet space. Because it's never quiet. That voice doesn't shut up. So when you're quiet, That's when the voice is the loudest. There's nothing else to drown it out. So what do we do? We drown it out. We don't sit in the quiet. We watch TV. We listen to music. Or we play on our phones. Or we scroll Facebook and Instagram, which is a huge mistake. I know people will say that they do it to help them fall asleep, but it actually has the opposite effect. One, because if you do fall asleep, you're going to drop your phone on your face and just wakes you right up. But two... You're constantly looking for stimulation, and the artificial light from your phone tricks your brain into staying awake. Plus, it's even worse for people with depression because you're scrolling through social media and looking at everyone's posts, thinking, look how amazing their lives are compared to my pathetic existence. Everyone else seems to be doing so great. Yeah, they seem to be. That doesn't mean their lives are really that great. That particular moment or aspect of their life is great, and they're happy about it and wanted to share it. But it doesn't mean other things don't suck. You just don't often see the sucky things. And when you do, what are they? Usually political posts about how much whoever is in office sucks. And that doesn't help you sleep because you're either thinking, yeah, that person does suck and your blood starts to boil. Or you're thinking, that person doesn't suck. You suck for thinking that person sucks and your blood starts to boil. Or if you have depression and anxiety, you'll think either one of those things, and then you'll go on to think just how much we're doomed, and there's nothing you can do about it. Then even if you fall asleep with something else to distract you, you've done nothing to actually quiet that voice in your head. It's still there, and you've done nothing to counter it. So you go to sleep with it there, and you wake up with it there. And what do you do when you wake up in the morning? You hit the snooze button. I don't get this news button. It sucks waking up in the morning as it is. Why do I want to do it four more times? Because if I get up, I'll actually have to be conscious and deal with life. And as that saying goes nowadays, I don't want to adult today. But eventually, we do have to get up and start our day. We do whatever our morning routine is, and we do it to distract ourselves from what's really going on inside our heads. Anything to keep from hearing the voice. Now, I'm not saying that people with depression hear voices per se. That's a whole nother thing. It's just that nagging feeling, that nagging sensation, that repeated mantra that you're no good. You're no good. Nothing is good. You're a failure. You're a loser. And you'll do anything to keep from hearing that, to distract yourself from that happening. Now, some people do have their morning routines where they will have a few moments of silence and they'll say a prayer or meditate or repeat an affirmation. And if you have depression, that's really hard to do because there's a part of you that knows it will help, but that voice in your head is so loud and so insistent because it's gone unattended for so long that it either takes over your silence and you quit or it convinces you that thinking positive doesn't work And you might as well not try. Well, of course it's going to do that. Because it's fighting for its survival. If you start thinking differently, that voice gets quieter and weaker. And it's not going to let you do that. So it fights against you. And it makes you think to yourself, see? This doesn't work. Get used to me. I'm the voice in your head. Nothing else is going to replace me. Because I will always be louder and stronger. But that's where you're wrong. It's not that thinking differently or meditating or focusing on more positive thoughts doesn't work. It's that you don't work. And I don't mean that you're broken. I mean, in a sense, if you have depression and anxiety, there is a part of you that doesn't work the greatest. But I mean you don't do the work. Now, I'm not attacking you here. This is true for me, too. I often don't do the work. One, because like everyone else... I'm inherently lazy. I would love to watch Netflix and eat nachos and not do anything. It's why I hit the snooze button. It's why I set the alarm for almost an hour before I know I have to get up so I can hit the snooze button and get the satisfaction of feeling like I'm being lazy when really I'm just getting up on time when I'm supposed to. But that's the problem with a lot of these just-think-positive people. It's way more than that. It's not that easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And because it's not easy is why a lot of us don't do it. Sure, we have our little mantras and our posters of the kitten on the branch telling us to hang in there, but so what? After a while, they just become noise, and our brain gets so used to being in that space of we don't feel good, so we say a little something, and we get it for a second, but then we just go back to our lives, never really making any improvements. All we've done is add an element to our depression. Saying those little affirmations become a part of our depression. Seeing them on your Facebook feed or when you're scrolling through Instagram, those little positive posts, those little moments of inspiration or whatever, you read it, you think, yeah, and then you move on to the next picture. It's, it happens like that, and it's gone. It's just something else that's now a part of your depression to the point that you associate it with your depression. And you read those affirmations, you come across those affirmations, and it reminds you, yeah, I'm depressed, and I need this. Oh my God, I actually need these things because I'm so depressed. Why can't I function, quote unquote, normally? So these affirmations don't work after a while because eventually the words lose all meaning. You ever say a word over and over again until it's just noise and doesn't even sound like a word? Like, any, like butter. 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 It just becomes a noise. There's an episode on the first season of Friends where Courtney Cox's character Monica is a chef and she's trying to get a job at a restaurant as their head chef. And to do that, she basically has to audition for the owner of the restaurant by cooking him a meal in her home. And the owner of the restaurant is played by a guest star in this episode, John Lovitz. And what he's done is, before he's come over, He's gotten completely high and and he's listening to what Monica has made for him. And at one point she says, yes, and I've made these little tartlets. And John Lovitz's character says, tartlets, tartlets, tartlets. The word has lost all meaning. And that's what happens. You you say these affirmations, people get up and they say, yes, say my affirmation every day. But you say the words, but then they're just words. They're just noise. They don't mean anything without anything behind them. I'll give you another example of this. The Pledge of Allegiance. We know it because we learned it when we were very, very young, and we learned it by the sounds it made, and we learned it by the rhythm that it had, but we never really learned The meaning behind all the words. So it just became this rote thing that we said, and only on the rarest of occasions would you have a civics teacher actually teach you the meaning behind these words. Otherwise, it's just noise, and you recognize it by the rhythm of it. So after a while, these words and these affirmations are just noise. Well, this is where the work comes in. You have to take that moment of silence. You have to let your little inner Simon Cowell voice have his say, And tell you what a loser and how worthless you are. And then you need to clear out that space of all your negative thoughts. You need to let him have his say and then be done. Because then it's your turn. The only place positivity and negativity can exist in the same place is in a battery. So if you're going to put positive thoughts in, you have to get the negative thoughts out. Now, that sounds trite. I mean, you're going to take the negative thoughts out and put the positive thoughts in. And... It's not that easy. The negative thoughts are just going to come right back in. And you're going to have to do this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And and it's going to be this constant, constant thing. And that's another reason why people think this doesn't work, because they feel like they're in a losing battle. But once you've let your negative voice have his say, it's your turn. But don't start with the words. You have to start with the feeling. How do you want to feel? Because that's what this is about, isn't it? We don't like the way we feel. Sure, we can say we don't have the money or the car or the house or the relationship or whatever, but not having those things make you feel a certain way. It's not the external forces. It's the internal. It's how you feel. So first you have to focus on the feeling. Then you can put the words to it to help trigger that feeling. That's all the affirmations are anyway, is a trigger. You can't just say the words. You have to feel how you want to feel. So how do you want to feel? So you get in that space and you make yourself feel it. Now, this is where a lot of people lose it. Hell, this is where I lose it because our brains are so entrenched in our depression that they are hardwired into making us feel like crap. So when you try to feel something else, your brain is going to resist. You're going to get all sorts of does not compute messages coming from your brain, but you have to fight that. You're a hacker. You're going to hack the computer of your brain and rewire it. And that's not easy. You think a hacker sits down, taps away at the keyboard like he does in the movies or something, and just unleashes some malware on the masses in just a few minutes? No. It takes hours, days, weeks, months of coding and planning to get the hack just right. It's no different with your brain. It's going to take a long time to rewire this thing that has been working one way for so long. This takes Work. Like you don't go to the gym, take one hot yoga class and lift a couple of weights and suddenly look like Zac Efron. I wish you could, but you don't. It takes work. But so many of us don't do it. Look how many people break their New Year's resolutions to lose weight less than a week into January. Because when the reality hits about how much work it's going to be, they bail. They get all pumped up and excited about being fit that they don't take into account what it takes to get fit. No different than dealing with your depression. Look at how many people try to start their own businesses and fail. There are people out there telling you how easy it is to make money from home, or how to invest in real estate and quit your job, or start an online store and retire making six figures in six months. And so many people think these plans are absolute shams. And some of them are. But a lot of them aren't. They do work. People actually do start online stores and tell their bosses to shove it. And the people selling these programs make it sound so easy. Look at where you are now. Look at where you want to be. Just follow my course and you can get there. Easy, right? No. Simple. Not easy. A lot of people bail and quit because once they get into the nitty-gritty, they realize it's just as much work, if not more, than their actual job. And they're spending money before they can make money. So they quit the course and go back to the office and say it doesn't work. It's a sham. People do that same excuse at the gym to a similar degree. A lot of people will take their own responsibility, but still at the gym, look where you are, look where you want to be, follow this workout plan and this diet plan, and you can get there. Simple, but not easy because pizza speaks louder than Pilates. So people quit. A lot of people will say they just couldn't do it. But there are those who will say that the diet didn't work or the workout plan didn't work. No you didn't work. But Dylan, sometimes it is the diet. Fine. Then change the diet. You still have to do the work. Do people say the gym is a sham and a total ripoff? Yeah, they do. But they're the ones who don't go. The same principle applies to your brain and your depression. You have to do the work. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to do the work. I'm not just going to blow smoke up your skirt and tell you how easy it is. I'm not going to tell you to just be positive and everything will be better. That's insane. Because when you have depression, it's not what you need to hear. You need to know that people get it. You need to be heard. Because people don't understand depression. They can't see it, so it must not be that bad. If people said the things they say to people with depression that they say to people with visible physical condition, they'd come across like complete a-holes. Like saying to someone in the hospital that, you know, they're ruining your plans for the night. Or if you have diarrhea and they just tell you, just try not having it. Or they judge you for taking meds for a migraine. Or they think you're weird for seeing a therapist, but not weird if you're seeing a physical therapist. Or telling someone with cancer that, you know what, you've had this long enough, it's time to get over it. The thing about depression is it makes us feel less than we are. So we don't want to burden people with it, especially when the attitude about it is a lot like those I just expressed. But it's because people don't understand it. If we start treating depression for the serious condition that it is, there are a lot of people who can get the help they need when they need it. So that's basically what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. We're going to be talking about the struggles that you have with depression. We're going to talk about the work that you've got to do to deal with your depression. And all of this will be a means to, not necessarily an end, but a means to progress, a means along a journey of feeling better. And to feel better, you've got to do the work to get better. And it's not just going to be me talking to you all the time. I'm going to have people on this podcast who are finding incredible success and at the same time dealing with what feels like crippling depression. And we're going to find out how they're dealing with it. Uh, We're going to talk to people who are going to give us not tips and tricks, but strategies and long-term plans to work with this and not against it. Hopefully at the end of each podcast, even at the end of this one, hopefully you feel a bit better, that somebody understands you, that maybe pumps you up a little bit, that you could just come out of this feeling a little bit better than when you started. You're not alone. Don't keep this inside. Do what we're doing. Talk about it. Get it out there. You've got this. You're stronger than you think. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you come back for more. Please subscribe, and we'll see you soon. I'm Dylan White. This has been the Antidepressant Podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the Antidepressant Podcast, would like to have Dylan speak to your group or organization, or to get an advanced copy of Dylan's book about succeeding with depression, get out of your way, send an email to Podcast at gmail.com. To support this podcast, please consider making a donation to patreon.com slash the ADP. Music for the Antidepressant Podcast is Upbeat Forever by Kevin MacLeod and Compitech.com. licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.